Today is what's today's August date? 2nd. August second, two thousand seventeen, and to the title of tonight's message is "Opening Up Wells of Life in Aguas Calientes." Amen. Amen. So we come to find out that Aguas Calientes, just to play on the names a little bit, is only about an hour and a half away from a town that we love to say, and that is Zacatecas. Everybody say Zacatecas. Zacatecas. Amen. Amen. Well, through the means of getting to know Susanna Brown, who is Caleb's wife. Hello, Susie. Yeah, here we go. Everybody say, hey, Susie. Hey, Susie. Just want to put you in the spotlight. Uh, her father has been a pastor for over 30 years. Yeah. Amen. Look, someone who stands firm in the faith uh, and is consistent to love the Lord despite the circumstances, despite the events that happen in our life, Look, they, they get an applaud and a thank you, Lord, for this brother all day long. Well, as a means of that relationship here with Susie, the, the Brown family, that is Charlie and Joe, begin to uh, begin a, a relationship with these guys. And as a result, we begin to develop a heart for them. And we heard story after story from uh, Charlie and Joe, but more importantly, from Susanna of how her father would pastor her. And I really admire this man of God just hearing the stories of how he pastored his daughter and the results that we see. So as a result, we took a team of, I think, a total of 13 of us, maybe 15. Uh, we may still have some still left there. I don't know. 15 adults 15 and adults. two kids. <laughs> I was one of the kids. <laughs> and we were able to be boots on the ground to encourage a man of God that has been just plowing away at the work of the living God for over 30 years. So if you could show this first slide for us. It's pretty. Yes, I love the logo. Amen. So you see here in the blue shirt is Pastor Ramiro and his wife Maria. These guys uh, absolutely love the Lord in such a humble and servant's heart way more than I've seen in a very, very long time or if at all. What you see here was spontaneous as a result of just fellowshipping after the first Sunday service. And I'm going to be honest with you, this was a direct result of us as a team sharing how we operate in twos and threes governing a church, how I need my brothers and my brothers need me and we die for our brother's vision. And he got to a point where he couldn't control his tears. I mean, he, you could tell he's starting to hold him back. His eyes get a little bit red. And finally, at one point, his head dropped and tears are just puddling on the floor. Well, we all stood up. We hugged him and we just began to pray for him. And uh, I don't have time today for the videos, but we began to prophesy over him. And the reason that we titled what we did tonight's message is opening up wells is because it began with opening up this man's well of just a revival back into life. Because of what the enemy has done for so long to bring discouragement and a kick, and if not, just a dump, a, a truckload of sand into his well, it has resulted in a man who just feels like that everything he put his hand to is no longer profitable for the kingdom of God. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but where the devil has just beat you up so much, you feel like you're not worth anything longer to the kingdom of God. Anybody else? Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody uh, felt that way this month? This week? How about tonight? How about today? 
Okay, so as pastor is sharing this, you got to understand, we're not only going to give you a missions recap tonight of what we did, we're going to be sharing with you what the Lord has for you tonight, because that's the kind of God that we serve. Amen. That the things that are trying to buzz around us all, like, the, like these carrion birds that are trying to come as we're making a sacrifice to the Lord, it's time to drive those things away, folks. Amen. This is going to be one of those kind of nights for us. We're going to continue what a great worship time that we had. We're going to continue to get into God's presence as we share. I, I do, we do want to celebrate missions in this church. Amen. We're going to be praying. Pastor talked about uh, signing up on a prayer list for our Turkey Team 3.0. Well, we're going to share with you what we just did last week, just a few days ago. But this is not only a recap. This is a, if we'll allow it to be the right kind of thing, this is going to be God speaking to us tonight and helping you where you are. This is the great God that we serve. Even while we're doing a recap, you're going you're gonna to see more pictures and videos here in a minute. You're going to hear from team members. But you're also going to, it should be moving our hearts. Amen. I'm glad that you can hear that we went and prayed for a man named Romero and his wife Maria, who now we love very, very dearly. But what you can't pass that up is that's them and, and you need the same help and you're here tonight and you're not going to get it. We're going to pray for you tonight. We're going to lay hands on you and allow you to experience the same God that was there in Aguas Calientes, the same God that's going to be there in Turkey, the same God that's in Indonesia, the same God that's in Peru. You're going to get to experience that tonight. And if we just sit back, if we just relax back and go, yeah, man, you don't understand what kind of day it's been and you don't understand what kind of week it's been, then you're going to miss out on what God has for you. So I'd rather us sit forward in our chairs tonight, maybe not physically, but our hearts are sitting forward. We're leaning forward to go. Hey Amen. Maybe if God did it for a man like that, a couple of hundred miles away in this town called Aguas Calientes, the hot springs, what is God going to do for you tonight here in Sugarland? What is God going to do for you tonight here in this room? I've got needs. I need the Lord to touch me. Amen. I need His Spirit Amen. to move upon me tonight. Let's not miss, even during a recap, of what it's supposed to be doing to our heart and reminding us of what we need and how our faithful God will meet us tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen, amen. It kind of brings us to our next subject. So let's go to the next slide. What we have is an inundation of circumstances and environments that try to kick in, if not plow in, <laughs> dirt into our wells and stop up our confidence in our spring of living water. Aguas Calientes uh, is inundated with Catholicism. And what I mean is, Everyone is just doing what they, they're doing because it's culture. And they don't know why they're doing it. They're captive to it. But I can tell you by standing in that place that there is a spiritual demonic power that wants to suffocate every human being and living thing in this entire area. Aguas Calientes is the number one spot for suicide in all of Mexico. And that 80% of those suicides in Aguas Calientes happen in the near location of the neighborhood where Pastor Romero lives. So when we're standing there and we're walking through the, the center of downtown Aguas Calientes, at 10.30 on a Saturday night, we have, I'm sorry, a Monday night, you have a service going on and it's standing room only for a Catholic church. It kind of gives you an idea of what we're up against, that every time we go from house to house, they're measuring us against what the, the spiritual atmosphere is, is warring with the kingdom of God with. Let's go to the next slide. <laughs> After spending a little bit of time laying hands on this pastor, he and his wife come back to life. To me, this is a precious picture because when we got there, 
he nor his wife looked like this. Their heads were hanging low. Like you, they had been beat up by the devil. Like you, they had been lied to by the devil. Like you, they had had things stolen away from the purpose of who they are in God's kingdom. And guess what we did? We went in and we began to open up a well of life inside of this man and his family. Amen. Let's go to the next slide. It's cooking jambalaya, by the way. Yeah, you can never go wrong with jambalaya. So this is our team serving up boxes. Let's go to the next side. Here we go to a local hospital. Now, many of you guys have been to the hospital in Matamoros. It's much the same system, but I would say this is 10 times as better of an environment outside the hospital than I've ever seen in Matamoros. But still, you have at least about 150 people out there waiting for their loved ones to either recover, go into surgery, or just die. And one group of uh, people that was about 30, I believe, uh, were just huddled in a corner, and all of them had this heaviness upon their face. And so I, we sent a group of about four or five people just to go and pray for each one of them. And as I would watch each one of our team members go to this group, you would see them raise from death to life in a moment. Now, once our group would depart, they would begin to shrink back in it. But what we were doing is at least just chipping away at the rock and begin to let some water spring forth in the name of Jesus. So, so for those of you who haven't been to Matamoros yet with us, everybody say yet. yet. If you haven't been yet with us, what happens here is that if you don't have the money, this is the, uh, what we would call a charity hospital here. If you don't have money, you just sit outside until you can, they can find a spot for you. So if you're sick, can you imagine... You're feeling terrible and you go to the hospital and you may have to wait outside on a bench for three or four days, for a week, for ten days. And as your loved ones, may perhaps they finally get in and you're still outside just waiting. It's not like you're going to get to get in and, and have a, a meal down in the cafeteria and you're going to wait for them. You wait outside. So we're either dealing directly with sick people who are trying to get into the hospital, but there is no place for them. Or you're dealing with family members who've been there for days, listen to me, or weeks outside of a hospital. Don't, don't you think they need the love of Christ to come? So as we're coming in and bringing hot food, we're also bringing in the actual passion and the power of God's Spirit there to them. And people are responding. And you'll hear some testimonies uh, about some of those things here in a few minutes. Amen. Let's go to the next slide. This is a taxi uh, driver that we're handing out food to. Number one, there are zero American missions active in Aguas Calientes. So they're not used to seeing, a, number one, a large group of Americans that are walk around just sharing the gospel and much more than that, handing out food to taxi drivers. Taxi drivers are the lowest of the low in this city. Basically, if you can't do anything else professionally, this is the last resort that you go to. So we went to, to this stratosphere of the, the economic scale and we began to hand out food. So many of them said, Oh, you know, I'm going to pay you for this. Like, no, we're just doing this because we love you and we love Jesus. And a lot of them, you know, didn't even want to uh, take it at all. Well, partially because we would flag them down like we're, we need a taxi ride. <laughs> and that's money. So they would stop and then we would just hand them food and they get angry and drive off. Yeah, right. But that was far and few between. Let's go to the next slide. <laughs> they weren't stopping for the sign, so we had to do something. Yeah. <laughs> now, this was a, a community or, or just street evangelism. We got off a bus, we walked down the sidewalk, and we're like, we're going to minister to anyone that's out there. Within five minutes, Susanna, Mandy, and Kim are just talking to this lady who's waiting for a bus. And you, can you see the level of despair on her face? Guys, this was everywhere that we went. 
face and spirits that are downcast. And can I tell you that they begin to lay hands on her. They're praying for her. And right there, that's a sign of reopening a well of life inside this woman's soul. Yeah, this woman was actually waiting on us. She didn't know she was waiting on us. She thought she was waiting on a bus. Amen. But we literally got off our own bus. We walked up, and she was sitting there just like that all by herself. Susanna walked over to her and began to speak to her. Uh, Mandy and Kim joined. And what you had was, was a long time. I don't, I don't know exactly how it was of ministry. And they began to pray for her. Tears began to run down her face. The loss of hope is an incredible thing. Pastor mentioned that the highest suicide rate in Mexico is in the city of Aguascalientes. And within the city of Aguascalientes, our place where we were staying has the highest rate of the highest city in Mexico. We're talking somewhere around 10 people per week that commit suicide. 10 people per week. So that's an incredible amount. We got down to the bottom of what the primary source for this 10 people per week really was. They felt trapped. So Aguascalientes is about four or five hours south of the border of Texas. And people travel from all around South and Central America. And this is about two hours north of Mexico City. So they get close, but they're not close enough. And they've run out of money. And they get dumped off into this city. And to be honest with you, this city is one of the most prosperous that I've ever been to in Mexico so far. The, the normative of Matamoros is the poverty-stricken of Aguascalientes. And so you have a, a, a large group of people who are immigrants and they from, from other parts of, of South and Central America and they feel like they failed. Well, this correlates to you as well. You don't have to necessarily be in Aguascalientes traveling from somewhere else to feel like you're trapped. And guess what? Us as pastors, we fight the same things that you do, making sure that we don't have a face like this. Because the God that we serve and the presence that he gives us lifts our heads up. That he Amen. gives us a wellspring of life inside of us. Amen. Amen. We got a video next. If you could play that and just cut off the, the lights here on the stage. Hello, LCM and One Association Churches. This is Pastor Wade. Uh, we are here in a new section of Aguascalientes. This is one of the newer sections that they have. A lot of new buildings, a lot of folks from all over the country are coming here. And what we find here is exactly what we find everywhere else in Aguascalientes. Uh, a lack of hope, uh, an incredibly high suicide rate, uh, that the people of God must come to places like this. We must bring life so that the people here can experience not the death that is all around them, but the true life that only Christ can bring. Thank you for your support. We love you guys. Uh, keep praying for us as we are here, trying to break the chains off of everyone's life that we meet. That you may heal this man, mighty God. Father God, would you restore his vision, mighty God. Would you restore his vision, Lord, in your name, mighty God. In Jesus' name, mighty God. Yeah, da yeah Daniel's not hurting anyone, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> He's either going to get healed or I don't know what. You ever heard somebody say, hey, do you have faith to raise the dead? And everybody says, yes. Then you ask, who wants to die first? <laughs> it's got a scenario in here. We're praying for this guy's eyes because Daniel's thumbs were embedded inside of them. <laughs> I love but, it. But I'm going to be honest with you. you your intercessory prayers throughout this entirety of this trip fueled everything that we did Amen. and primarily opening up wells to a way of life. Uh, it felt like the book of Acts, guys. 
that everyone that we prayed for, every meeting that we had, not only did it have a purpose, it had a wellspring of life that was being opened up. Let's go to the next slide. So one of the projects that we did was building cabinets, but they have a purpose, they have a function. Number one, that's to teach Daniel and Ray how to build cabinets, and they did a fantastic <laughs> job. But secondly, let's go to the next slide. This is the reason why. So Pastor Romero, for several years prior to us getting there, uh, uh, stopped a couple years ago, fed 2,000 children per day out of this location that we were stationed at. 2,000 kids per day. And he and his wife had a team, but they slaved away. And their heart is to feed the, the needy children in their area. A lot of kids in this neighborhood maybe only have one meal per day. And these were just some local kids that, that knew of Pastor Ramiro and his wife, and they just stopped by to see what was happening. So I started taking pictures of them and laughing and joking around with them. Let's go to the next slide. From here, we visited a pastor's conference. Now, later we found out that this is an association of pastors who were once denominational but are no longer. They have grouped together. Yeah, everybody say amen to that. And they had broken from their chains of bondage in the name of Jesus. And they had formed an association, get this, to raise up disciples and missionaries to go plant churches. That all the way in Aguas Calientes, God is doing the same thing by his Holy Spirit that he's also doing here. And when we met together, this was unique and it was special to all of us because we could relate to it. It's what God's doing here. And Pastor Wade, in, in my heart, is to see pastors equipped and propelled into the further things that God has for them. The same thing that we do for you guys. As a result, let's go to the next slide. We met a very special man. Now, if you look very closely, look at his right hand on top of his Bible. He's missing his right thumb. Now, he was an electrician for over 20-something years, worked in the U.S. for quite a number of those years, and was electrocuted, got his right thumb blown off, also survived a terminally ill disease after that. Now, what's unique about this man here, his name is Cesar, and he's 42 years old, is that as Pastor Wade is teaching, Pastor Wade is teaching about being qualified by the blood of Jesus. And you know what example he pulled from? The blood of Jesus on the right earlobe, the right thumb, and the right toe. Now, there's a little bit more to this story. As I got up, I began to share some about our history, particularly Eric's history of beginning this church. And how the whole slew of troublesome issues in starting a church, particularly what it feels like to begin to claw the earth to plant something that is of God and everyone that's supposed to support you bails out if not completely goes against you. He is not only tearing, he is just convulsing because he is crying so much. Everything that Pastor Wade and I shared was telling his story. But let me tell you how fresh. He started a church in his house one month ago. That the way that he started was that he and his wife got up in obedience to God and they invited somebody on their left and they invited somebody on their right and nobody came. And he preached anyway. Amen. Not only that, 
the very man of God that was responsible for raising him up and being his mentor, that for years he would ask him, I feel like the Lord has called me to go plant a work and go start something. This pastor said, no, you need to stay here and everyone that you come in contact with, bring him into this church. I will pastor them. You just go be the evangelist. He was there at that meeting. And at the end, when we call all the pastors forward to pray for them, Cesar stayed at the far back. You know what we did? We called him up forward. One life, one family, one nation at a time. This was a God-ordained moment that we met someone who our stories correlate with, that our encouragement through trials absolutely opened up a well of life into this man's soul because he was at the verge of giving up. And he wasn't the only one. There were several in the room who felt identical and had very similar stories. So as pastor's telling you this story, we're telling you all the details now after. As we're calling him forward, he's sitting in the back row. I looked at him and I kind of gave him a head nod and he stood up. And then he just sat there. I mean, he just stayed there. I was like, calm down. I just pointed to him and I pointed right in front of me. He just begins to weep. He comes down. We have uh, people begin to prophesy to him. It, it's an incredible time. What I had no idea of until the ne- the later on that afternoon was that, that the work of the Lord validated his ent- what he felt like was validated all of his misery, all of his efforts, and it says that the Lord still sees him. I didn't know that. I just felt like I should call him down and pray for him. We didn't know as we were prophesying to him that the man that had um, betrayed him was standing just a few people over in the prayer line. We didn't know these things. We just, you just trust in the Holy Spirit, folks. Why is it so important for us as a church to be led by the Spirit, to not just say things, but actually have the power of God's Word and the power of the gifts of the Spirit? Everybody say gifts. gifts. If God has given it to us, we want to be the kind of church that operates in all of them. We want you to be the kind of people that operate in all the gifts. Why? Because you don't know when you need that word of wisdom. You don't know when you need his leading, but he's already orchestrated it. And you just need to trust in him and follow what he's doing. How many times do we try to work things out in our own mind and they fail? I do that all the time. But the Spirit of God will never fail us. He will always lead us rightly. And that's what happened with Cesar. Such a beautiful man, beautiful heart just shared his entire day with us, drove us everywhere we needed to at no thought of whatever it was costing him. And he had nothing. He had nothing left to his name and he was serving us as if, as if it were his only job in life. It was amazing. Amen. So it takes us to our next, next picture. This is a group photo taken in the town that we had the pastor's meeting. It's called Pabayon. It sounds like Papa John's. Pabayon. <laughs> Now, it just so happens, and I'm I'm not kidding you, we we put this together after the fact. What you see behind you is a lake. It wasn't a lake back in 1945 or 48. It was just a valley. An American company came in and began to drill for water, and they hit an open or, or huge wellspring. It filled the entire valley, which was an existing town. So underwater right now is a town that is completely intact. There's probably, you know, lots of things still down there, uh, bodies and all kind of other things. But the one relic that they, uh, that, that they uh, rescued from, from this drowning was, uh, was a statue of Jesus. Now, it was from the local Catholic church in the valley. 
and they made a, a replica of it that was 30 feet tall and is on an island, you know, right behind us in this picture. But the one thing that was unique about it is that it's right, his right arm had broken off. So they made the replica identical to the way they found it with his right arm broken off. Can I tell you the homiletic material I had after this? <laughs> that we're preaching to everyone. I just mentioned the name of the town and said that Jesus I serve has both arms and they're full of power. They were amening out the wazoo. It was awesome. So all in all, everywhere that we went, we were opening up these wells of life and individuals that I know that will impact their immediate families and the, the, the towns and eventually the nation in the name of Jesus. At this time, leaving this picture up, uh, I would like the Aguas Calientes team to come and sit down right here on the stage. We just got some popcorn testimonies, which means two minutes. Share it and then pass it along. First and foremost, we like Charlie and Joe. If you guys come sit right here. Come on now. Don't be shy. Let's go. Yeah, now. Hey, I do have to say that this was an incredible team. This was yes. an incredibly smooth trip. Uh, just real quick before Charlie or, Charlie or Joe or both share. Um, we're there and we're taking taxis places because it's just easier to move the group and the taxi cab drivers when they find out where we're going in the town they look at us or they talk through the translator you know gamey got this a lot and they were like where where do you want us to drop you off they're like you shouldn't be going there the taxi cab drivers were telling us we shouldn't be going where we were going we're like yeah we spend the night there we leave the door open at night so we can get air <laughs> we roll up the big cargo doors as much as possible we're thinking about making this a family trip for our, our church one day. <laughs> We're like, oh, that's, that's an interesting perspective on these things. So uh, it, it was pretty pretty interesting area. What we said inside of our mind is we live in Mission Bend. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen our church? All right, Brother Charlie. Man, you know, um, I can read scripture in uh, Acts 10. I mean, Luke's 10. I'm looking at that. The word says after, and I said Acts. <laughs> Luke's 10, he said that. It's when the, the Lord sent out the 70, two by two. And so he, he sent them out to do the, the work of God. And in verse 17 is when they come back. They came back and they said, The 70 and two returned with joy and said to the Lord, said the Lord, even... The demons submitted to your name. Uh, now, there, I don't know if you caught this or not, but there's two miracles there. One of them is that the demons submitted to them, and the other one is that 70 people did exactly what they were told to do. <laughs> <laughs> With joy. Now, we didn't have 70 people. We had 15. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you ever put on a real heavy glove before... And you struggle to pick up a silver dollar. Uh, it was hard. Or then maybe you put on one that fit so snug you could put, pick up a silver dime. Well, that was the, the glove that this team wore. Hmm. No, matter, no matter what you asked them to do, they did it with joy. And uh, they, did it, um, they, they did it with a full heart. And uh, 
the strength. And that's what I'm, I'm going to encourage this group, about this group. And God wants you to as well. And I know you would if you come. And it says that uh, in verse 21, chapter 10, it says, At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, he says, I praise you, Father, the Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from uh, the wise and the learning and revealed them to them, to reveal them to your children. This, this, uh, I, as a leader in the church, I can relate to the joy that Jesus felt. Amen. To see the work that God is do, doing here put to work in a, in a mission field and to see the joy and the fullness of these guys working together. Bless me and, and each one of them. No matter if, if um, one of the leaders said, we need you to stay here today and we need you to go over there, they did it. They did it with joy. Whatever you need. And so that's, that's an awesome. I want to give that testimony to these guys. They're going to give the testimony about the demons and all that stuff. <laughs> Can I say I love my church? Amen. Um, we were going to go to Aguas Calientes regardless of if we had to go alone. Um, but I want to say how thankful I am that we didn't. It was such a blessing. Every person was such a blessing. And to see the souls that were watered. And to see them come spring back to life was so amazing. And to see how God orchestrated who he sent. And each one had their gifting and they were used mightily by the Lord. They spoke to, uh, to bring life to people who were, who were dead. And the, uh, it was just amazing to see how he used each one in their just particular knack. And how everyone worked together in unity. And we're grateful that Gamaliel uh, came at the last minute, that he, he was the last one to be put on the trip. But um, Charlie said if he had to uh, pick most valuable player, he would pick Gamaliel because he, he was amazing. And he fit in just like he'd been here his whole life. And um, um, I just praise the Lord that, you know, in Ephesians 2:10, you all know it, but for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. He knew a long time ago that we were all going to be together, that this church was going to go and serve there. And it was such a blessing to this family and to uh, the other pastors. The pastors meeting, the pastors didn't tell y'all, but they were the only speakers. I, I kept questioning them, like, um, surely somebody else is going to speak, but nobody else spoke. It was only our pastors, and they spoke such life to them. And then each person here was able to pray, and uh, we have countless testimonies of people who had words of knowledge or words of wisdom to speak into the pastor's lives, and they were broken and crying, and, we, you know, it was nothing but the Holy Spirit. Amen. So now that uh, our elders are done, I'm going to admonish the rest of the group to be succinct. Elders get to be, as, they get to take as much time as they want. So. <laughs> but share. Amen. Um. Thinking back on the trip, one thing that's kind of stood out to me is that how unprepared I was. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I can't lead worship well enough. I can't speak well enough. I don't speak the language well enough. I, I, I don't know uh, how to evangelize well enough. But um, I was thinking today, 
I'm so thankful Jesus didn't say, wait, therefore, to make disciples until you're ready to do it. <laughs> he said, go. I just wonder about how many of you guys, you're, you're waiting on something to get done. You're waiting on something to have joy. You're waiting on something to go. And then it's going to happen for you. And God's just telling you to go and do it. We wait to get married, wait to have kids till we're ready or whatever it is for you. But what if God's telling you to go now? And um, for me, I really had to trust these guys that, are you sure I'm supposed to be here? And they're like, yeah, you're all supposed to be here. So um, I just encourage you guys, go, don't wait, do. Don't hide behind the veil of patience and worship at the altar of fear. Don't, don't think that you're being patient, but you're, you're actually just sitting in fear, just waiting for something else to happen or somebody else to go. You're supposed to go. Well, um, I was thinking a lot in the world we speak in Monday about Joshua. And um, they said then Joshua and the Israeli army returned to, that, to their camp at Hilgal. Like the people always go back to Hilgal. And if you guys been in the Monday class, Hilgal was not a good place to start. Hilgal was a place of pain. If all the men get circumcised there, they get cut, was blood all over. And these people come back to their place. And I was thinking this church, like a Hilgal camp. A lot of us, we're going to get cut in here. It's going to be a lot of blood. It's going to be a lot of pain. And, um, and not only the, the, the things outside, but more of our intimacy, lives, they're going to be cut. And maybe we can tell the pastor, so you bloody men, your hands are full of blood. But the real is their, their hands are full of blood by our bad things or bad, bad behavior, then we don't say it. And I believe this church is going to be our Hilgal place when everybody goes, it's going to be cut and it's going to be blood and it's going to be pain. And you can complain about how hard they are in us. But in the end, uh, when the people in Israel, they have victories, they come back to their Hilgal place. So I believe a lot of our, you guys, they're living outside. They're going to be a missionaries. They're going to be a pastors. And I'm really sure a lot of you guys, they're going to have a lot more success than these pastors. You, maybe you're going to have a bigger church, a bigger mission team, but if you don't come back to your Hilgal place and bless where you start, you will not be faithful for God, what God do in your lives. And I was thinking about not only in my dad, but in these pastors. Then when, I, when I'm not here anymore, I can come back and I say, hey, pastor, I'm not only come back by myself, but I'm come back with a whole army. And yeah. we're going to come back and we're going to raise your hands because these pastors, maybe we need them today, but maybe tomorrow they're going to need us. Yeah. And my question is, if we've been a good... Um, Chips. My dad asks me every day, are you a chip or a goat, Susana? And say, I'm a chip. So when I do something bad, he said, no, you're still a goat. So, and a lot of we think we're chips, but the real is we, need, we still fighting about our, our bad behaviors and we need to fight every day. And this is the Hilgal and this is the time to be cut. This is the time where blood needs to come out so we can be sent. Because if we don't heal first, we never going to be out. And doesn't depend if the pastor send you or not. Because the pastor, they're not going to send you. God is going to send you. Yeah, amen. Yeah, you can, you can see why we love Susie. Uh, her dad, it's true. Her dad, he came up to us the first day. And through some interpreter, that he was like, it's my daughter. Is, is she a sheep or is she a goat? And I said, oh, pastor, your daughter, she's a beautiful sheep. She's great. And then he waited. He just got quiet. 
Later on that day, he said, Pastor, it's my daughter. Is she a sheep or is she a goat? And I was like, oh, he's not kidding. I got to come up with a better answer than, oh, yeah, like I was just kind of, I thought he was just entered, you know, we were just starting a discussion. He was like, no, I want to know. And we went, uh, I, I guess we'll have to watch better. <laughs> I, I'll think about that, Pastor. Oh, she's obviously a sheep. And uh, it, was, it was an interesting thing to watch uh, Pastor Romero. It made us fall in love with him. He, <laughs> Su Susie was an incredible blessing on the trip, incre worked incredibly hard, and her dad just fussed at her, just right out in the open. We were like, go. <laughs> this is awesome. We love these people. They're our kind of people. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Man, can I tell you that the Holy Spirit is a gift? Amen. <laughs> this trip, one of the things that the Lord helped me, and I know some of my brothers overcome, is... Uh, we don't know Spanish, but we're preaching to Spanish people. We don't know Spanish, but we're trying to evangelize the Spanish people. And the Holy Spirit gives us everything we need in that. Sometimes if it's speaking in tongues, then they can understand you. Or great brothers. The Holy Spirit gives us everything we need. Proverbs 28.1 says that the righteous are as bold as lions. We have no excuse to not be bold. And that was something that the Lord testified with is even if you feel inadequate and you feel like you don't have enough, it's probably because you don't, and the Lord gives you what you need. Amen. 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 So many testimonies I can share, but I do want to say I did not break the guy's eyeballs. <laughs> um, however, I did break a couple sinks and some chairs, but that's on a different day. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Praise God for Elder Charlie. He can fix everything. <laughs> um, no, what, what really was to me, this is going to sound so simple, uh, but, the, you know, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, and for me, what the Lord was really showing me on the last day uh, with one of the guys that was coming to service every day, every day, his name was Felipe. And he was viewed as an outcast in the community. Uh, dumpster diving, really bad smells, and, uh, and just, I was like, I am not going to um, visit with him, right? It seems like the, other, the Lord had other plans. I was always next to him. <laughs> and, um, and so the last night there, uh, Pastor Matthew called up for uh, anybody that has infirmary to their eyes to come forward, and sure enough, this man did. And uh, I'm like, okay, Lord. And then the Lord dropped and crushed my heart for that man. I began to weep uncontrollably for that man. And I quit seeing the nation, and I started seeing the man. So I want to encourage you with, it's not just the nations we're going to reach. It's the one life that starts first. And then that one life turns into one family. And that family will go and get a nation. But I'm telling you right now, how do you view your very neighbors? Because I see my neighbors and I'm like, that's a nation. How do you view the people you meet every day? Because I know it, for me it's shaped my very core. Amen. Um, we really did have an amazing time. And like Miss Joe was saying, like who was on this team was completely the Lord. And he knew what he was doing when he put it together. Um, I feel like the biggest thing I learned there was 
how to let the Lord show me and pinpoint in my life how my function works in whatever area I'm in. Um, I love being out on the mission field, and I feel like I come alive, and I want, I want it to be that way everywhere when I'm here, too. But um, he showed me just how serving is my function, but there I kind of just saw a clearer picture of it. It's, that's not just in doing things like cleaning and making breakfast for the team, but my servanthood can be praying for somebody when they need it or just speaking words of life into somebody that needs it. It doesn't always have to be stuff that's in the background. Sometimes it involves speaking and bringing that out, but it was awesome just to be able to serve with this team. Amen. Amen. Before I went on the trip, the Lord had me in 2 Corinthians, and the main verse was 2 Corinthians, and I'm not going to read all of them for, for time's sake, but it's 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16, and it talks about how he leads us as triumphal procession, and that we're the fragrance, and for we are to God the aroma of Christ the smell of death to some and the fragrance of life to others. And he highlighted also 2 Corinthians 2, 4 through 6 about confidence and competence. And also 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22 about how he has anointed us. He set a seal upon us of, of ownership and he's put a spirit in us. And for me, there was many things. We could all talk for hours about everything that happened. Um, but for me personally, how it impacted me was I got to see how we are actually the fragrance of Christ. And that we need no other uh, stamp of approval. He's given us his stamp, his seal of ownership. And we get our comp competence and confidence from him. So yeah. because I lack, that's great because I know that my God is comp has given me his competence and that I need to walk boldly and uh, boldly in that in that and not to be fearful and there's many things that happened uh, and it all revolves around lack of faith um, and it showed me how much lack of faith I have because I don't trust my God which is silly and that but it showed me the fragrance that we are and because of that the people responded, not because of our skill, not because we prayed great, not because we knew how to lay hands. It's because we are the fragrance of Christ. And there's no, that's all we need to be successful and, and with our obedience that we can be successful in the kingdom and what he has to do through us. Amen. For me, we, when we went to the hospital, um, you hear the scripture about um, heal the sick, uh, cast out demons, and being on the mission field and going to the hospital and praying over people and seeing them being healed. For me, I, I, I've seen them healed, but not being in the moment. My dad went into the hospital where they were waiting for people, and he was pray, praying over a woman, and my mom went in there with them. So I was like, hey, let me just go join them. So I go in there, and they start praying, and uh, comes to find out her foot, she had fallen. She had fallen at her house, and her foot swole and she couldn't walk at all on that leg. And so somebody had to carry her in there because she couldn't walk. And we were praying for her and praying for her, and then eventually she got up and she could walk on her foot again. And she walked out to tell Pastor Matt and Pastor Wade uh, her testimony of they healed my foot. And that was something that was incredible because I've, I've, seen, I've seen healings, but never, like, right there in the moment. So that was something that was that opened my opened my eyes that was just amazing so so as we're talking about trying to raise up people who are better and go further than us right as pastors that's our goal as parents that's our goal part of the exciting part about missions is is julia now will look at healing a completely different way than maybe many of us do 
that faith to go. It took a little while. It didn't happen the second that somebody laid hands on someone else. But you saw, she saw a healing in just right before her eyes, someone who could not walk, who could then walk. That's going to shape what she does for the rest of her life. This is why we do missions, not only uh, you know, around the world, but we, do, we, we have this heart that we have for one life, one family, one nation. This helps us to develop, to find God's right plan for our life because this is what we're doing. So, amen, buddy. So you obviously hear the uh, string that is going here about boldness. So what I was taught and what I was blessed by on this trip was Luke chapter 11, verse 8. And it says this. <clears throat> I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. If you look at your footnote... Boldness at the bottom says persistence. Those of you who know me know that I could be a little persistent. <laughs> Nabal would like to call that stubborn. So what I was taught in this moment was, as Julia was saying, the healing didn't come at once. But when the Lord highlighted that woman to me to pray for healing, I began to pray. And again, I prayed. We began to see some healing take place. So in my mind, I was thinking, oh, that's great. She's healed. The Lord reminded me, no. Partial obedience is no obedience at all. He wanted to see complete healing. So I began to pray, and I began to pray. That persistence, prayer, that persistence in prayer is what the Lord was looking for me to do. Through that persistence in prayer, we find out that we have nothing to, to give to the King of Kings. If you look in verse 6, at the very end it says, um, I have nothing to set before him. As Gabriel mentioned, we have nothing to set before the King of Kings, you guys. The only thing we have is to set before him our complete obedience. And through that, we saw a complete healing take place. It has blessed Julia, and it blessed many that were on that trip. And I learned a lot through that, is that when we go in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, to be his ambassador, we must have complete obedience in everything that we do. Amen. 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 So when uh, I was there, told me that we were going to share just two minutes, I thought that's impossible, how... What can I think of in two minutes that I can share with everyone? But I think what impacted me the most was um, the day we arrived in the last service um, because I really got to see the pastor's heart. Um, being able, being a translator, I really had moments where I was just one-on-one uh, -on -one with him. When we arrived, it, it impacted my heart to see his brokenness immediately. Uh, he, he, I was just talking to him, trying to get to know him, and he immediately started saying, almost in tears, I mean, we have, we've just started talking I don't understand why your team and your pastors have come out here without knowing me. Uh, I just don't understand, he kept saying, um, without even knowing what I'm doing here, yet they're willing to come and spend their time and their hearts on me. So he was broken just immediately from the get-go. And on the last service, it really got me because he was, he, he was preaching, and he was preaching at the altar in tears saying, I was at the point where I had, was so ready to give up. And I was at a point where I said, Lord, I've done my best, I've gave it my all, my, I've gave it my all, and this is all I got. Uh, I'm done. And he said that when Susanna told him we were going, he was literally in shock for a while. He said, why? <laughs> Lord, I'm ready to give up, yet you're sending more? Okay, we'll see what happens. And it really brought in my mind and in my heart so many moments where I've seen my father in the same situation. I've been in the same situation where you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow your word, yet everyone around you falls back and everyone comes against you. Um, so it reminded me of a, a great passage that's kept me going in, 
in uh, 1 Peter First uh, Peter 5, 6-7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It doesn't say he'll humble you up in the moment or every day, but in due time. He wants us to give everything we possibly have. And when there's nothing left, that's when he'll hold us up again. So it was beautiful to see that in the pastor. Uh, it really it brought me back to those same moments. I mean, just meeting him, he was like, well, all I'm trying to do is raise disciples to either go, pay, or pray. <laughs> what? <laughs> so many things he said without really knowing or speaking to him were just same heart, same mind. Uh, everything was just perfect in, in the Lord's timing. And when we left, just seeing him uplifted and ready to continue his work was the greatest blessing of the trip um, yeah. by far. Amen. On the flight down, I was reading in 1 Corinthians and read these words from 1 Corinthians 2, 2. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, when you're in a foreign country and you don't speak the language it helps you simplify your gospel presentation. It helps you boil down what sometimes you might want to say in 20 minutes to 30 seconds. And I just want to make sure that I let you know that that same gospel that changes lives here in just a few moments does exactly the same thing, whether you're in uh, Matamoros or whether you're in Aguas Calientes, as we were this time. But specifically what God challenged me on from the scripture was how was I identifying myself? When I'm on the mission field, when I'm in prison on Sunday morning, I identify myself to the people that I meet as a Christian. But what do I do Monday through Friday? How do I identify myself when I'm talking to people in my community? I tend to identify myself as an engineer or as a nurse. I don't begin the conversation with being a disciple of Christ Jesus. And how many opportunities am I missing just by virtue of how I tend to identify myself? Am I looking at things? Am I viewing my life through the lens of resolving to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. I'm, uh, hey, what's up? <laughs> really glad to be out here with you guys tonight. Uh, I, I'll keep it very simple. I've got two scriptures for you. So Isaiah 65, 8. Uh, as I was going out on this trip with these guys, uh, you know, I can think of a lot of better people than myself to go. Uh, you know, there's so many great. You're good. Keep oh. there, there, there's so many, so many great men and women of God here, and uh, even the youth. You should have seen Gabriel out there. Uh, I was telling Wade all the time, you must be so proud. You know, he's running circles around me and everything. <laughs> and uh, and I have this scripture, Isaiah 65:8. It says, "This is what the Lord says." As when juice is still found in a cluster of grapes, and men say, Don't destroy it, there is yet some good, so will I do in behalf of my servant. And this really encouraged me because uh, I don't know how you feel tonight, but uh, before I left on this trip, I felt like I was that cluster of grapes that didn't really have anything left to give, uh, and, and just dependent, completely dependent on the Lord. And I felt the Lord say, There's still at least juice there. And, uh, you know, don't destroy it. <laughs> and uh, and he, still, he still blessed me for it. Uh, the second scripture is Isaiah 57, verse 11 through 13. 
And so as I was out there, uh, you're going to hear all kinds of testimonies, I'm sure, throughout the week, too. We'll, as we spend time together as a family, uh, we'll share. You know, I had such an amazing time with uh, great men and women of God, even Caesar and Pastor Romero. All these people were a blessing in our lives. Uh, so many things happened. And uh, th- I guess this is what I kind of took, uh, took home with me. Uh, as I was out on this trip and I had this mentality, I, I began to just, uh, you know, I, ha- I began to think about the trips that we had uh, in the men's reload uh, about, you know, this, just the don't care damn attitude at DCD. And, and uh, so many things began to happen through the Holy Spirit. Uh, so many things that I, I would normally feel fear and not do. You know, I, I, on the first day I was there, I heard a... Uh, I heard a word from the Lord, an interpretation in tongues, and normally I would just hold back and and, and wait, see who else, maybe someone else might have something better, uh, you know. And I just began to uh, do what the Lord says to do. You know, simple enough. Uh, you know, I, I began to hear uh, personal things about people, a word of knowledge, where if I get this wrong, they're going to be really upset with me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just every, and every step, I just began to uh, resolve that even if I, I just completely screw up, at least I'm going to do what the Lord said to do. Amen. And, uh, and so th- this is my last scripture. Uh, it says, why do you fear that? It says, uh, Isaiah 57, why do you fear that you have not been? Oh, wait a minute. All right, here we go. Uh, why do you fear that you have not been true to me? And have neither remembered me nor... All right, I got it last try. Uh, it says, it's, I got it now. <laughs> it says, who do you fear that you have not been true to me and have neither remembered me nor pondered this in your hearts? Is it not because I have been silent? I have long been silent. And this scripture really resounded to me in every step of the way. Uh, it says, who have, you, who have you feared that you have not obeyed me? And so in every step of the way, when it came down to just two decisions, uh, am I going to fear my emotion or am I going to fear the Lord? Uh, am I going to fear what this person is going to think or am I going to fear the Lord? And I think that's what I brought home is uh, in every decision, even since I've been home, it just boils down to that simplistic, that simple two uh, things. Am I going to fear this or am I going to fear the Lord? Oh, and so the Lord has has empowered me to... Uh, always choose him before anything else, and I, I guess that's what's really blessed me the most. Amen. Come on, let's give them a round of applause. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, what, what he didn't say was that uh, someone gave a word in tongues, and Ray had the interpretation, and he gave it in Spanish. So the rest of us were standing around going, Yeah! I don't know what you said, but yeah. So for a, a long time now, Ray has been AKA sweet baby Ray. But like most things, when you go through uh, the will of God, you get your name changed. And Ray is now known as Ray Gunn. <laughs> now, not only did he prophesy or in, bring interpretation from a word and tongue and brought it in Spanish once, he brought it twice. Yeah. He also gave another word in English and reading people's mail. Uh, I was thoroughly impressed by, by Ray. And it, it, we told Ray, this is the normal Ray. Yeah. 
This is the Ray we want to see all the time. Amen. So missions, we always go to bless. And in fact, more than bless, we go to be uh, broke, tired, and nothing left in the tank. And, uh, you know, I think every single one of the testimonies you heard are our test, are our team going and opening up wells and others and then themselves having wells open as, as well. So turn to Genesis chapter 26. We'll start in verse 18. Can you believe that we uh, spread the LCM culture in Agos Calientes and we got them saying there when you were there? Aye, aye, aye. It's kind of like a Cajun word, you know. Aye. It's a little bit different inflection. So is everybody there? There. <laughs> there we go. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham had died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. You know, what we did on, in the trip of Aguascalientes is nothing new. It is actually something that God has been doing over and over and over again and will continue to keep doing. We're participating in the faith of Abraham when we go to Aguascalientes. But let's bring it a little bit closer to home. What about when someone walks through those doors? Do we see that as the equal importance of opening, opening up the wells of that person's life when they come into this church or whenever you encounter them in the grocery store or at your work. You know, there are people that we meet over and over again and that you were once that person that had something welled up inside of you or God's presence, his word flowing and something had come along of this world of the Philistines and began to fill it in. And what God has been doing this time, that, that you've been with us, that you've been discipled, that you've been cut at Gilgal and returning back to, has been that removal of what the Philistine has been pouring into your well. And the reopening of well into life. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 41 verse 18. So before we read this, everybody say with me, it did not begin with me. It did not begin with me. And it will not end with me. And it will not end with me. But I will continue it on. But I will continue it on. Isaiah 41, 18. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. This is God's nature. This is God's character. And if that is his nature and his character, guess what yours should be? identically the same yes everywhere that you set your feet like the feet of abraham is to be a planting of his work in his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and what should be the side effect what should be the result of your presence at on your feet anywhere that you go it's going to be life coming up from deserts it's going to be rivers flowing from barren heights you know that a lot of times internally we struggle because, Lord, why aren't we in this dry and arid place, this season in our life? Where everywhere that we go, we run into people who whine and moan and complain, and they're drowning in sin. They don't want to receive anything that we have. That's because God made you to be a wellspring of life. He made you to have a, a pickaxe in your hand and to hit the hard heads over and over and over again with his word. Why? Because you're looking for a river of life to spring up out of them. 
You know that we carry around in us this wellspring of life. And every word that you speak is to be that water of life. And to some, it'll be a word of gentleness. A gentle word or a gentle answer can break a bone. It can turn away wrath. And in others, you need to be a complete two-by-four across the face. I want to caution you, be led by the Holy Ghost exactly how you do this. Because you may get a two-by-four across the face as well. Let's go to our next scripture. Psalm 74, verse 15. Everybody there? Yes, sir. There we go. It was you who opened up springs and streams. You dried up the the ever-flowing rivers. Once again, we see God's nature and his desire to have his kingdom and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your actions, your feet are able to replicate exactly the nature of God that where you put your hands to work at are to open up springs and streams. So what I see Aguas Calientes as it's just, it's a microcosm of what we already do here. Amen. Amen. So that means every meeting that we have, every lunch, everywhere that we go as a church body, we are constantly opening up springs and streams because we want to see the river of life flow in other people's life. Much like Jesus did when he sat down at the well. Let's go to John or John chapter seven, verse 38. Now Jesus sitting down at the well is John four, but here in John seven is actually a scripture that was read during worship. Couldn't be any more timely. Thank you, Miss Natalie. You hear from the Lord. Whoever believes in me, say believes in me. Believes in me. As the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. You know what we're trying to do whenever we are carrying around in our bodies the presence of God and we're sharing from that presence the living word that comes out, that timely and apt word? We're looking for someone to put their trust in him and demonstrate it with action. You'll hear a little bit later from Pastor Wade about exactly what that looks like. But the end goal is to be streams of living water flowing from within that person. So if all you see is a little bit of a trickle, do you stop? No. What do you keep doing? Keep chipping away. If it begins to be a sort of a stream, what do we keep doing? We keep chipping away. You know, family members are some of the hardest rocks for us to chip. And that... Our zeal, a lot of times, is that we want to take a sledgehammer to them the first year that we're born again. And we're wondering, why aren't they flowing like a river? Well, number one, a prophet's not welcome in his own hometown. But secondly, it's the duration. What is the perseverance that you have as a display to them that that what you have can be trusted? And that you have to keep chipping away, keep chipping away. And I promise you, you will see rivers of living water flow from within them. It's just a matter of time. We got to keep hammering. Amen. 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 Revelation 7, verse 17. Say there when you're there. There. Y'all still awake? Amen. 
For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Everywhere that we place our feet, we are bringing right order with God. You are setting the lamb at the center of the throne. And by doing so, you are activating or enabling them to be led to the waters of life. And there are sorrows to be wiped away. Saints, I'm just going through this rapidly so you have a a target, something to shoot for. Why you should keep persisting to preach the gospel, to live the gospel, to let the presence of God overflow out of you. If you begin to get stopped up, guess what's being denied? Right order with God and man in other people's lives. The lamb will not be at the center of the throne in that person's heart. Therefore, streams of water will not flow and their sorrow will not be wiped away. You know, one of the things that uh, Daniel's encounter with Felipe, it was with passion that he was compassionately ministering to this man. And I couldn't help it that as a pastor, I walked up and already two or three times I prayed for Felipe. And granted, we had a beautiful act of compassion towards him. But also by the Holy Ghost, I looked at him and began to sense we need to get some things in right order. So after Daniel's finished praying with him, I looked at Felipe and I said, Tell him he needs to go get a job and that he's not in ministry. This was setting right order in Felipe. And what may seem harsh at first, it was a pickaxe of right order in this man's heart. Now, it's up to him whether or not he will go do it. But I guarantee you, I know by the word of God, I know by the Holy Ghost that if he put those things into action, the very compassion that is there that's flowing through Daniel and the other team members will come to fruition with a man that has a a spring of living water flowing from him and that his eyes can truly see and no longer be clouded by sorrow. Saints, it is our job to not only just be a wellspring of living water, but we're to go help others enjoy, but also experience that wellspring of water. Amen? Amen. Amen. That wellspring that pastor's talking about is exactly what this church has been designed to do. That's what this church has been designed to do, is to actually create those who can go out and do ministry. There's a little, a little secret that I have for you. As pastors, I mean, I can't tell you how much I love missions. But here's the secret. I think missions is actually a little bit easier sometimes than being here. For me, it feels, it just feels like a blessing. I was going to say vacation, but it's not that either. Because what we do there is just an extension of what we do here. There's nothing special that we usually do to prepare like, okay, here comes the mission. Now we really got to start working hard at this. And you know what it is? We do exactly what we do here. Everything that we do, we talk to the team. They're like, we're like, what do you, what do you think about, what do you think about us as pastors? And they're like, man, y'all are, we're doing this and we're learning so much from you. You know what this is? This is called Tuesday. <laughs> this is what we do every day. What you have here as a church, folks. Um, when I say this, I mean it. In, in case I haven't told you this in a while, man, I love my church. What is going on in here on a daily basis will help prepare you if you understand that it's a way of life. This is what we're supposed to be doing as a lifestyle. And so wherever we go, you know what happens? What happens in an LCM service happened in Mexico. People got saved. People got spirit filled. We went to a, um, to a rehab facility for young men, for about high school age guys who were already addicted to drugs or alcohol. We went in there and we said, look, you're going to think what you think about us. But if you'll give us a minute, we'll show you by the power of God that what we say is real. 
You know what happened? We laid hands on young men. People got slain in the spirit. You know what happened to young men? They, were, they burst into tears. These hardcore, tattoo-filled, prison-ready kind of guys just burst into tears because they actually felt the love of a father while we were praying with them. <laughs> we want to have the words of God and we want to have His Spirit at work everywhere we go because this is the way of life that we have. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and we're going to start off in verse 14. It says this. <laughs> this is after the writer goes through and explains all these things. He's like, hey, we're poor. We put ourselves in a low position. Why? So that you can excel. Let's look in, instead of uh, verse 14, let's go back to verse 11. Just so we can get it in context. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we blessed. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. Uh, that's, what we're going, that's what we're actually aiming for as your pastors. This is what we're aiming for. We're aiming to get rid of everything. You know, you know why that works? Because when I'm standing in front of a group of pastors in Mexico, and I could say, I've, we're trying to give up everything that we can. We don't want to own a house. We don't want to own our own cars. We want to give it all away so that we can live rightly before the Lord. You know what that does? That translates to any culture in the world. That will translate because it's the truth of God's gospel. Look in verse 14. I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you. As my dear children. Everybody say children. children. Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. You have lots of teachers. You have lots of people who may be input into your life. Yes? Yes or no? Yes. But you don't have very many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I am sending to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life. Everybody say way of life. I can't get away from this idea the last few days. That the way of life that we are prescribing here as a church is a way of life that works because it's kingdom-minded. We didn't do anything special in Mexico, and it was an incredibly special trip. Amen. We didn't do anything unique like, hey, we're saving up all our good stuff for the mission field. No, we're doing exactly, we did exactly there. Exactly there what we do here. And God poured out His Spirit upon people. People were healed. People were changed. People were set free. People were filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the way of life that we're, pre that we're preaching to you is worth your attention. It's worth it. There was no particular... This was an incredible group of people. But listen to this. There was nothing unique about this group versus anyone else who's here. They went. They, the Lord moved on their, upon their heart and they went according to the, being obedient to the Lord. And God used every single person. No more sweet baby Ray. No, I mean, we said that on the trip. We were like, yeah, we want this guy. We, we're bringing him back. Because then we want... We want you to be at this at a normal every day and then you can take it up somewhere else, but we want this to be the normal. What we're asking for you guys is to come up to the standard of the way of life that's been presented to you. Let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. 
Look at what it says. Remember your leaders. This is awkward, right? Because I'm a leader, so speaking to you. Yeah, this is just right. I actually kind of thought about wanting to preach something else to you when I got up here. I, I, I wanted to. I was like, yeah, there might be something else. I can't, I can't get rid of this in my heart and in my mind. You know what I think is going on in our church right now? I think the enemy's trying to come in and let us uh, get pulled away from the right way of life here. There's de- there are deceptions that are going on in, in you, in our people, in this body that's trying to pull us away and be like, yeah, okay, we get it. We like our church. We love our church too, Pastor. Yay. This is the right way of life for us to give ourselves to, to give ourselves fully to this right way of life. You know why? Because we saw it make a difference for Pastor Romero. It changed a man who was ready to give up after 30 years of ministry. It changed him. It opened up wells in his life and it brought life to him. I'm not saying that because I'm saying that the Lord has given us the right way of life here. For those who would like to engage fully in it, you can be blessed and you too can do this. You can do this and more. You can learn how to do it so much better than we can. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider, contemplate, think on, really focus in on the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The Lord has given you pastors and elders here who are worthy of consideration of their way of life, the outcome of their way of life. Are we telling you things that we're not living? No, you see us every single day. Come over to the house. I want to encourage us not to be distant from the way of life that God has put for us. There are some of us in here who need to re-engage in the way of life that the Lord has given. We've been sitting on an outside. We've been sitting on some concentric circle that's too far out. We need to get more in towards the center of the circle. Because that's what God is calling you to do. And imitate. The word there in the Greek is mimeomia. To mimic. You should mimic the way that it's going on. Because we're impervious to error? No, of course not. But if we're going to do this right, we have to fully mimic what the pattern that the Lord has set for this church because it works. It doesn't matter who's on one of L- an LCM mission trip. You know why? Because God does the same type things. We're going to send a group, we send groups to a canyon in, in Peru. You know what happens? Healings, salvations, people get spirit filled, people get changed because of the love of God. We'll send you to Indonesia. You know what's going to happen there? Exactly the same thing. What's going to happen in Turkey? Exactly the same thing. Why? Because this is the work of the Lord and it's something that is worthy of our attention that we can, should consider and that we should mimic because it's God's plan for our lives. Amen. You may not be as excited about it as I am. I get it. We're at the end of a night, right? This is worthy of us doing because God has given us a gift by giving us the right way of life. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and we'll end it here. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know. I know that there are some of us who are sitting here and if you allowed, you've allowed yourself to be pushed out of a, central, of a central place in God's plan for you here in this church, you've allowed yourself to be comfortable getting pushed out further and further from the dead center of what God has for you. 
from the actual fullness of the way of life and you're just, you're just here. You need to repent. You need to repent. And you need to move closer into what God has for you. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Yeah, I don't know anybody like that. Lovers of money. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Come on now. That's interesting that we would think of that as being a lesser offense, and it is in this kind of a list, folks. Ungrateful. Unholy. Without love. Unforgiving. Slanderous. Without self-control. Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Uh, If you're like me, you're probably thinking of individual people that you can title with these things. If you're like me, though, you should also be examining your heart to make sure that you are not one of those names that could be used here. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Do you have a form of godliness but you're denying its power? Are you seeing the signs of a spirit-filled, sold-out believer in your life on a daily basis? On a weekly basis? How about monthly? Yearly? Are you seeing any of these things? Are you laying hands on people and watching them get healed? Are you going out and evangelizing the people around you? Or are you just waiting for special times on special days and special seasons? Having a form of godliness but denying power have nothing to do with these kind of people. Don't be seduced away from what God has for you. Don't be seduced away. Everybody say seduced. Seduced. Don't be seduced. Don't give in to some form of godliness, but you don't have any power, so you think you're doing okay. Yeah, we'll ignore the fact that my life actually isn't proving out what I'm saying but it's okay because I feel good about it. Don't be seduced away from what God has here as a way of life. Let's look at verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, suffering. Well, that's knowing a lot about somebody, isn't it? Almost sounds like there's a discipleship process going on there. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Should be one of your favorite verses because it should explain to you what's going on in your life. And if you're not actually being persecuted, I don't mean that you don't get the right parking place at the mall. I don't mean that you caught the red light instead of the green light. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If that's going to be your measure, how well are you doing living a godly life in Christ? While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, everybody say, as for me. me. Continue in what you have learned And have become convinced of. I have two slides that I want to show you. To continue. To abide in. To live in. What you have learned. The first word here for learned. Is man 
Manfano. I don't know if you could see it on this slide, but I've highlighted a few. It's to have learned something. It's to understand it. Okay, learned it. It's even got the facts and a plan of salvation. There's a spiritual understanding that's there. Come and learn what we're teaching you. Be a part of our Monday night foundations. Be a part of our service. Work through our discipleship helps. Get into the Acts classes. Get the marriage counseling. Work on our parent, uh, uh, parent teachings. Learn what's going on with a diligence that proves that it's right. But look at the next word. It says what you've learned and become convinced of. Everybody say convinced. convinced. It's one thing to learn something, isn't it? You can regurgitate information all day long. If I talk to you, you can have the right, uh, the right banter that you throw back. I've been in other churches, and you know what I learned? That there's a certain type of lingo that the church has. I'm good at learning people's lingo. I'm good at learning the language that they speak. So I could start replicating that. They would ask me to come up on stage in certain churches and, and, and take the offering. Why? Because I could speak the lingo. I knew the little catchphrases and how to use them properly. I had learned the language, but this says that, that we should continue, abide, dwell in, live in the things that we've learned and we've been convinced of. 4104 is the Greek word there. Pistu. Uh, 4102 is pistis, which is faith. It's Faith, this is like saying faithful, right? It is the exact same root word that we're dealing with here. Look what I've highlighted here. To be faithful. That you've learned and you've learned how to become faithful in executing. To confirm, to establish, to ascertain, to make sure or certain of. What I'm asking you to do is make sure and certain of the way of life that has been laid out before you because it is worth it. Because it is the way of the kingdom. I wanted to show you the antonyms there. The opposite. Words that you can derive that mean the opposite. Okay? I highlighted them and I made them bold so you can see them. To be shaken. To shake thoroughly. To disturb. To trouble. To set in an uproar. Is your life in an uproar? You go through days and you feel like you're shaken by everything that goes on around you? Then I want to encourage you that you haven't yet been convinced of this way of life. To waver, to hesitate, to doubt, to be thoroughly perplexed. These are the words opposite of to be fully convinced of. I want to encourage you guys tonight. We're so glad that we've done, we've done a mission trip. We're going to have many more mission trips. In the days and weeks ahead, we're going to announce mission trips that go into 2018 so you can start getting your finances, getting yourself ready to go with us on missions. You know what you need to do until then? You need to continue in what you are learning and being fully convinced of because this is worth it. I realize that this is a message for our home folks. I realize that. I get that. But I'm saying that there are some, there are some things in the spiritual realm that are at work to try to seduce you away from it. Trying to get you to go, yeah, I've learned it, but you're not fully convinced of it. You're, you're okay with being on rung five of concentric circles and you should, be in, you should be moving towards the center of the bullseye. Don't allow yourself to stay on the outside of this. Move towards the center. Move towards what God has for you. Learn it. 
If you don't yet learn it, then get in it and give it all that you have so that you can learn it rightly and be fully convinced of it. Unshakable. That you can be certain of what God is calling you to do. Pastor did such a good job of presenting that, that part of what this trip did was it unopened, I mean, it, it unearthed, it opened up wells that were, had been stopped up. I couldn't get away from the fact that what we did on the mission trip was exactly what the church teaches. It's hard to say it was an incredibly special trip and we did nothing special. The fruit that was yielded was, was things that changed people's lives for forever. And what we did was what we practice here. We performed out there what we practice here. That's exactly what we did as a church. It didn't matter who's on the trip. Would you stand with me?